we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, right? We've been talking about the Holy Spirit this whole time. And uh, you can open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. And why don't, we, why don't we pray as you're turning there? Jesus, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for what you're doing uh, in and through us. And God, we're believing for great things today. So Lord, we pray that what you did in Acts chapter 2, God, that you will do it again today. Uh, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, you can open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, and we've been talking about the Holy Spirit throughout this entire series called And, the Holy Spirit and prayer, the Holy Spirit and evangelism, the Holy Spirit and water baptism. And, uh, and pretty much every week we've been referencing about an event that happens in Acts chapter 2 called the Day of Pentecost. And so we figured what better day to talk about what happened on the day of Pentecost than Pentecost Sunday. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and uh, so today we're talking about the Holy Spirit and spirit baptism. Now, Pentecost, for those of you who don't know, and you're just like, I, yeah, I've never really heard that term before. Uh, Pentecost was a Jewish holiday, so you can look it up back in the Old Testament. Uh, it was actually called the Feast of Weeks. It was an agricultural holiday, and uh, it stood for it was called the Feast of Weeks because it was a week of weeks, seven times seven, 49 days, and then it was the day after. So thus you get 50, or Pentecost in, in Greek, uh, pente, you know, you got that, all those different things stood for 50. And so what it was, they would plant, 50 days later would be when they knew they could take in the early wheat harvest, and uh, so that was a celebration of just first fruits of what God had given them, they were given back, so it goes all the way back to the Old Testament, and that's when the disciples were meeting together, was on this day of Pentecost, uh, when normally there would be a, a feast, there would be a celebration, there would be the sacrifice to God. And uh, before that happened, when Jesus had ascended into heaven, right before he did that, he gave a command to his disciples, and he said, I want you to wait in this city. I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. And so they waited, and they prayed in the upper room, and uh, they waited for, for several days, and, and on one of the days, it was the day of Pentecost. And that's where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 2, is in the day of Pentecost, the disciples, 120 believers, we find out, are praying in this upper room for this clothing of power from on high, for this promised Holy Spirit, for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 2 verse 1, it says this, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire, or as of fire, appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Yeah, what a scene. What a scene here, right? And now, the disciples were already, they already had the Holy Spirit. It said in John chapter 20 that Jesus breathed on them and, and that they received the Holy Spirit. So they had the Holy Spirit living inside of them, just like us. We looked a few weeks ago at what the Holy Spirit does in, in us, and when we accept Christ as our Savior, He comes and He lives inside of us, right? And He, he lives inside of us, but this is something different. This is not just the Holy Spirit living inside of us, but empowering them and empowering them, and it's giving them the fullness, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the spirit baptism is what happened that day, and it's what really launched the church. So they're waiting there, they're praying in the upper room, and then all of a sudden, they're filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and that's when the church truly 
begins. And I believe that if, if we just kind of ignore the Holy Spirit, if we ignore the baptism in the Holy Spirit, then we're doing church wrong, right? If that's what started the church, then that's what's going to keep the church going. And, and we need to continue to rely on the Holy Spirit. And, and we're off if we just ignore the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So imagine this. Can you imagine? Day of Pentecost, you're sitting there praying, right? Prayer meeting, 120 people. It's been going on for probably about 10 days. I mean, they are just hungry for more of God. And they've been waiting for what seems like has to be a long time. Can you imagine having a 10-day prayer meeting? Right? Do you think maybe you'd be a little discouraged or something by that time? You're just like, come on, God. Has anybody been praying for something for a long time and God hasn't answered that prayer yet? Right? Don't give up. There's hope. Right? They were 10 days into this thing. They were 10 days into this thing. They're hungry for more of God. There was a desperation among them. And then all of a sudden, the room changed very, very quickly. It said that a sound of a mighty rushing wind came through that place. It didn't say a mighty rushing wind came through, just the sound of it, all right? So like hair pieces aren't flying off and stuff like that. It's just, I mean, they, they hear this like, what is that noise? What is going on? And they look up and they look at each other and there's, there's what appears to be fire resting above their heads. Now, thankfully, there wasn't fire alarms back in that day. People would have been pulling them. They would have been worried about each other. But, but no, they didn't do that. And they also look around. And they start hearing this noise. They began speaking in these languages they had never learned before, that, that they weren't their native tongue. And they start speaking in all these different languages. And you'd think from an outside observer looking in and just be like, what is going on in that room? But to those who were sitting there, while everything may have looked strange, they were experiencing it themselves and they were realizing this is right. This is good. This is what we've been praying for, guys. We didn't realize this is, Jesus didn't tell us how it was going to come. He didn't tell us what it was going to be look like. Uh, but we can't deny that this has to be it. Like this is the thing. This is what we've been praying for. This is the promise, Holy Spirit, that God has given us. And uh, even though it may have looked weird going on around them, it was completely natural. And they knew that this is what God had promised. And like I said, on this, on this day, on this occasion, this is when the church was launched. And it took off because God's people were empowered by the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, Jesus told them about this gift. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So that's what happened, right? That's exactly what happened. What Jesus told them would happen. They received power that day. They received power to be God's witnesses, to be Jesus' witnesses, and it was going to spread throughout the whole earth. So let's look at it. Let's continue on in the story. So you got 120 people all speaking these different languages. Sounds like babbling going on up there. And outside, people are looking up, and they're just confused. They're like, what is going on up there? See, there's people from all over the world at that time, and they're like, how are they speaking my language? And all these different people are hearing the language that's their native tongue, and they're, they're understanding it, and they're saying they're praising Jesus. Like, what's going on? They're praising Jesus in my language. That shouldn't be happening. So it draws this big crowd. So all of this speaking in tongues draws this big crowd. It wasn't because of what the disciples did, uh, what the 120 did, but it was because of what the Holy Spirit was doing through them. There's this big crowd there, and then Peter gets up, and he begins to speak, and he presents the gospel to them, right? And he gives a, this was Peter. This was the guy who denied Jesus, but now all of a sudden, full of the Holy Spirit, he's got the boldness 
to get up there and share the good news. So he gets up there, and he's not shy about it at all. And he, he says, man, there, there's Jesus, and, and he lived a perfect life, and he died. He took the place for me and you, and he died on that cross. In fact, a lot of you guys put him there. You voted. You said crucify him. And, but he, he died for our sins, and he went into the grave. But guess what? He's not there anymore. The tomb is empty. He's alive. And if you believe in him, you can be saved. And he gets up there and says, and 3,000 people come to Jesus. 3,000. Not because of Peter, but because of the Holy Spirit moving in Peter, because Peter was full of the Holy Spirit. So it was amazing. And then it says the church continued to grow. Continued to grow. It says that there were signs and wonders performed among them. That, that God used the disciples, he used these followers of Jesus to perform signs and wonders, to see people healed, to see demons cast out, uh, to see the dead raised, to see all these different things. And, and man, when people started getting healed, when the crippled guy who was there for 40 years is getting up and walk, people started noticing, man, this Jesus, he's real. This Jesus is real. This Jesus is alive. And, and so more and more people were coming to Jesus, I mean, daily daily more were being added to their number. There was this spirit of unity among all these new believers. They came together, they prayed together, they ate together, they studied together, they worshiped together. I mean, this is the early church, and it all happened because of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, because God sent them this helper. And the church continued to grow, and it said that they all proclaimed Jesus boldly. Not just, you know, the leaders, but everybody. Everybody was filled with the Spirit, and they were declaring Jesus boldly wherever they went. Eventually, one day, they started facing persecution because the higher-ups didn't like uh, that they were getting such, this, such a big following, and they weren't following them anymore. And, and so they started persecuting these Jesus followers. In fact, they, they stoned Stephen and put him to death, even though he said his face was glowing like an angel. He had, he had the face of an angel and in perfect peace, and, and he presented the gospel even in the midst of death. And it said after that, the church was scattered uh, into all these different regions and all these different nations, right? But everywhere the church went, everywhere the people of God went, the church grew, and the church spread. Even though they were scattered, the church spread wherever they went, Judea and Samaria, into the ends of the earth. And it didn't happen. The church didn't grow because of a well-designed flowchart. The church didn't grow because they had a lot of money. The church didn't grow because they served Starbucks coffee in the lobby. Right? The, the church didn't grow because they had a trendy worship team. The church grew because the people of God were full of the Spirit of God. That's why the church grew. And you know what? The same thing today. If we want to see the church grow, if we want to see the church go to places it's never been before, if we want to see uh, Jesus overtake your workplace and the grocery store and your house, then I think we need to be full of the Spirit of God. Man, to think we can manage church without the Holy Spirit, I mean, that's just goofy. That's like trying to go fishing without a fishing pole, right? That's like, it's like trying to do the Tour de France on a unicycle. Like it just, yeah, you could, you, can, you, could, you could manage, but it doesn't happen without the right tools. And we need the Holy Spirit in us if we want to see God do something miraculous among us. Now, a, a few weeks ago, I want to clear, there's a lot of questions when it comes to spirit baptism. There's a lot of different, I don't know what, uh, you know, church you grew up in or, you know, camp that you went to or how you've seen it preached or anything. So let me uh, hopefully clear up some things. A few weeks ago, we talked about water baptism. 
right? And that can be kind of confusing because, well, I've been baptized in water, but what's this baptism in the Spirit and, and all these different things? So let me just give you, those two things are very similar but very separate events. Uh, so let me, I, I made a Venn diagram for you. Is that okay? Does that help clear, I don't know, it clears some things up for me. So let me, let me do this between water baptism and spirit baptism. Uh, first of all, the timing is similar between the two. They both occur after salvation. After you've accepted Christ as your Savior, uh, that's when, you know, a few weeks ago, they're baptized in water, and, and they declare, yeah, Jesus is my Savior. Same thing with spirit baptism is, is after we're saved, then, then God, the, one of the next steps he can do is fill us with his, his spirit. Some people that may take years, some people it might be the next moment. So that's, that's one of the similarities. Another similarity is that uh, Jesus commanded both of these, spirit baptism and water baptism. Uh, he said that uh, uh, to the disciples, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So that's water baptism. He commanded us to do that. And at the same time, he told the disciples, hey, I want you to stay in the city. He commanded them, stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Stay in the city until you've been baptized in the Spirit. So it was commanded uh, by Jesus. It happened after salvation, but that's kind of where their similarities end. Because the differences, uh, they're different in purpose. Water baptism is all about identity. Uh, it's about obedient, being obedient to God and, and saying, hey, you know what? I'm a Christian now. I'm following Jesus, and I want the world to know that my identity uh, is through Jesus Christ. I'm no longer living for myself. I'm living for Jesus. And we identify with Jesus. We go under the water, and that's kind of like when he went into the tomb, and we come back up. We're a new person. We're a new creation. Uh, the old is gone. The new has come. And, and so it's that identifying thing. It's obedient because Jesus commanded it. Well, our spirit baptism, uh, it's not an identification thing. It's, there's power in it. When we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we have increased ministry power. We have increased anointing. Like we just mentioned, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So there's a difference there. Uh, just to maybe put it in terms we can understand, water baptism would be like a firefighter receiving his firefighter uniform, Right? And that's his identification. When you see a firefighter, you can tell that they're a firefighter because they're wearing the firefighter gear, right? I don't see many people just walking around in firefighter clothes just on the street. You know, that just doesn't make sense. But we can identify them through that. So that's kind of like water baptism. But a firefighter is going to have a hard time saving a bunch of lives going in with just the firefighter gear on, or the clothes. Like, they need tools, and that's what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit would be like giving the firefighter a ladder, a fire truck, a fire hose, an axe, all these different tools that they can. They can save some just having, you know, some good clothes on, but they can save a lot more if they have the right tools to get into the place. And the same with us. We, we can help save some lives just by being saved, by being water baptized, but we can save a whole lot more when we're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. God gives us those tools. And the last thing, last difference that I want to share um, is the method. Through water baptism, we're immersed in water. But in a similar sense, in spirit baptism, we're immersed in his spirit. We're immersed in his spirit. So that's quite the picture, right? We've seen the water baptism. Yeah, you go under the water, you come back up. But now picture the same thing with the spirit. When, when we're saved, we receive the spirit. He comes and lives inside of us. And, and that's great, you know, the Spirit's inside of us, and, and, and there's, there's power in that. But now imagine taking yourself and just like dunking you in the Spirit and just staying there, 
right? You're just fully immersed. Uh, it's not just inside of you, but it's, it's everywhere around you. It's in every pore of your body the Holy Spirit is because you are immersed in the Holy Spirit. So those are just kind of some of the differences of, of water baptism and spirit baptism. And man, I'm excited. We talked earlier, camp is coming up, right? And camp is, is near and dear to my heart because God's done a lot of amazing things in my life at camp. And probably for many of you, God's done some big things in your life. And I, I've seen God do so many things in our lives of, of students. And be praying. Be praying for camp. Because I believe God wants to baptize a lot of kids in the Holy Spirit at camp. He wants to save a lot of kids. He wants to use them. He wants to empower them. So be praying. Uh, we've even got young adults there this week. So be praying over these next few weeks. And, uh, you know, my first year at, at middle school camp uh, was the first time I remember hearing about spirit baptism about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I, I can't tell you who the speaker was. Um, I can't tell you what exactly he preached. I just remember that he talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I remember coming into that service, and I was just hungry for God. I mean, I had this desperation. God, whatever you have for me, I want it. Whatever is available, God, I want to go after it because I don't want to live life for my own. God, I, I want more of you. So I was just hungry. I was in a desperate place. I, I wanted more of Jesus. So the moment that, that that guy gave the altar call, it didn't even matter what it was for, but just the moment he gave it, I, I ran down. And I remember I was standing uh, at the camp altar call just about right, about right there, about two people back. And, and I was standing there responding, just hungry for God. I wanted more of God. And he began to tell us about spirit baptism. And, you know, I found a correlation in my life that every time that I'm hungry for God and I kind of get away from the distractions in life that I see God move in my life, right? There's a correlation between our, our hunger and how God moves. And we, we see that happen in the book of Acts as well. In the early church, the more they sought God, the more God poured out on them. And often that was through spirit baptism. That often happened. In fact, five times in the book of Acts, we see uh, God pour out on people through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, the first one, uh, we see Acts chapter 2, right? Acts chapter 2, uh, we just read that, the Pentecost, in the day of Pentecost, and it says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I mean, 120 people in the upper room. Can you just, again, picture that? They're desperate for God, and God pours out through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If, if you got your Bibles, you can follow along with me. I'm going to go through each of them. Acts chapter 8. You can flip over to Acts chapter 8. And in Acts chapter 8, we kind of looked at this last week. We talked about Philip, and he was in Samaria. And man, good things were happening in Acts chapter 8, right? There was a revival going around in Samaria, and, and people were being healed. Uh, people, were, people were being free from demonic uh, possession. I mean, it was amazing. There was a revival happening in Acts chapter 8. Well, news got down to the rest of the disciples of what, you know, Philip was doing up there and what the Holy Spirit was doing, and they got excited. So they sent Peter and John uh, up on their way just to check things out, you know, make sure Philip was doing it right, probably, and all that. And, and so Peter and John go up, and, and they started uh, just trying to figure out, hey, what's going on? Because they realized the Holy Spirit hadn't actually come. He was operating through Philip, but he hadn't come on the rest of the people in Samaria. And in Acts 8, verse 17... Um, it says what they did. It says, then Peter and John laid their hands on them, the people in Samaria, and it says they received the Holy Spirit. They had never received the fullness of the Holy Spirit before, but they did in this moment. Flip over to Acts chapter 9. 
uh, we see not a whole group of people, but just one person. His name was Saul. Uh, Saul was one of those people who saw the overseeing of persecuting the church. He was, he was there when Stephen was stoned uh, to death. He was, in fact, on his way to go put more Christians to death at that time when he had an incredible encounter, a one-on-one encounter. Jesus appeared to him in a great light. And he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And it was in that moment that he realized that Jesus was who he claimed to be, that he was Lord, that he was Savior. And he gave his life to Jesus in that moment. And his life was forever changed. I mean, later he changed his name to Paul. Uh, He wrote 13 books of the Bible. He went on great missionary journeys. But it was in that moment that he gave his life to Jesus. In fact, he he was blinded from the great light. And so he's wandering around kind of looking for help. And a guy named Ananias, the God had made a divine appointment to come across Saul's path that day. He, he led him back. And uh, in Acts chapter 9, verse 17, it says this. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me to you so that you can regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. I mean, incredible. I mean, Saul got the whole works just like in a couple days. You know, first he sees Jesus. He's miraculously saved. He's blinded. Then he's healed. Then he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And then later it says, well, you might as well get baptized in water too, right? So he had salvation, spirit baptism, and then water baptism. So you don't have to be baptized in water to experience the baptism in the spirit. They're, they're two separate events, and they can happen any time after salvation. So we see that happen. In Acts chapter 10, one more chapter over, you see a pattern happening here? Uh, God is filling his people with his spirit. In Acts chapter 10, there was a guy named Cornelius, and he was a Roman centurion, and he, was, he believed in God. He tried to stay faithful to God in everything that he did, uh, but he wanted to know more. He was hungry for more, right? God moves when his people are hungry. He was hungry for more. So God made a divine appointment between himself and Peter. And Peter kind of came out of the woodwork to go to this random guy's house named Cornelius. And uh, it was a bit of a weird thing because at this time, only Jewish people had experienced that salvation. Only Jewish people had experienced this gift of the Holy Spirit. And Peter was kind of uncertain, can these non-Jewish people, or they call them Gentiles, can these Gentiles actually be filled with God's Spirit? Can these Gentiles actually, did Jesus just die for the Jews or did he die for the world? And so he goes up there uh, under God's leading and he begins to preach. He begins to preach. And, and this one's interesting in Acts chapter 10, verse 44. We see kind of the results of of what happened. In verse 44, it says this. While Peter was still saying these things, while he was still preaching, before he ever gave an altar call, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the Jews who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So again, uh, they're finding, wow, you know, this, this salvation, this spirit baptism, it's for the whole world. It's not just for Jews, it's for everyone, everywhere. 
It's for everyone. And, and they saw the signs. They saw, man, these guys are speaking in tongues just like we did, just, on, just like on the day of Pentecost. This is happening again. Man, God is up to something big. The Holy Spirit is moving. Flip over a few chapters to Acts 19. And we see this Saul again. His name is now Paul. And, uh, man, he's living for Jesus with all of his heart. And he's out on these missionary journeys, and he happens upon a town called Ephesus. And he meets some believers there who, who already knew Jesus. And he goes up and he asks them, hey, have you, have you received the Holy Spirit since you, you know, accepted Christ as your Savior? And they looked at him like, uh, who's the Holy Spirit? They needed somebody to tell them. They, they didn't realize uh, what had happened. So in Acts 19, verse 6, it says, And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. So it's just amazing the different ways, the different ways that God has poured out his Spirit, just as we see in the book of Acts. And I believe there's, there's kind of a pattern that forms here. So again, I, I don't know what you came in with. I don't know uh, your, your history with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you came in with questions. Uh, maybe you came in with skepticism about the Holy Spirit because you've seen the Holy Spirit handled wrong. Uh, just by raise of hand, how many of you guys would say you've seen the Holy Spirit handled wrong before? Okay, quite a few of you. Uh, I'll, I'll share my experience. One time I was at a camp. It wasn't uh, an AG camp. It was another camp that I went to with uh, another church and and I was, I was there, and I'd seen many people be, uh, maybe you've seen somebody slain in the Spirit, where the Spirit of God comes on them so powerfully, they can't even stand up anymore, and they fall down, right? And I thought, man, that, that's cool, but it's never happened to me before. And so we get to the altar call, and the speaker starts going around, and we were kind of in this big, you know, uh, half a circle shape around him, and he starts praying, and he starts laying hands on people, and mean, one after the next, boom, 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 they were going down. And I'm sitting here like, what's going to happen to me when he gets over here? Like, I'm getting a little nervous. It's like, this has never happened to me before. This is, this is exciting, and I'm just wondering in my head, because I'm very analytical. Maybe some of you can relate. It's just like, all right, is that going to happen to me? Like, what's going to, like, is God just going to, like, knock me over? Like, what, what's going to happen? And, and so he gets over there, and he puts his, his hand on my head, and he starts praying for me, and I'm like, okay, I'm ready, God. And nothing. I mean, nothing. Like, every single person was falling over. It's like, come on, like, is there something wrong with me? And then eventually, he prayed a little harder and a little harder. He started pressing a little harder and a little harder until I couldn't stand anymore, but not because the Holy Spirit came on me, but because the hand of the preacher pushed me over, right? And I'm laying down on the ground. You know, I'm just sitting there, <clears throat> you know, and it's very awkward. I'm just kind of like, I want to look holy, you know, I want to look like everything's good. So I'm trying not to lift my head up too much to make sure nobody's watching me. But eventually I'm just like, okay, God, this isn't real. Like, is, is everybody, no, nope, they're all still down. Okay. <laughs> and it was in that moment, it's like, no, God, I want the real thing. If, it, if this isn't the real thing, man, I'm getting up. So I just kind of sat up and, and, and realized, okay, this, this wasn't, this, this wasn't being slain in the spirit. I'm not saying nobody was that day. But I know for me, it was just some guy who pushed me over. Uh, you know, that, that was fake. And, and I got up and I was just like, no, God, I, I want the real thing. I, I don't want imitation. And a lot of times when, when you have skepticism, when you have, it's because we've tried to fake the gifts that God wants to give us and not waited for the real thing. 
We've become impatient. You know, on day seven, what if the disciples just started like, all right, guys, let's all just start making up a new language. You know, let's just do this. And everybody's going to think, that wouldn't have worked. That wouldn't have worked. But they waited until God moved, not until they moved God. They waited until God moved. And so maybe you've come in here a little skeptical today. You've been burned before because you've just seen some things and it's like, that wasn't real. Right? I've been in the same boat. But don't give up on God. Keep seeking after him. Because I promise you, just like the disciples did in the upper room, man, you're going to experience that and you're going to be like, this ain't fake. I, I can't fake this. This is real. The only explanation is it must be God. So let me try to clear up just a few questions before we go um, just to a time of seeking after Jesus today. Uh, first question is this, who can receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? And again, we're just looking at the evidence from what we've seen in these, these verses, and I believe the, the answer is very simple. Everyone. Everyone. It, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, how old you are, how young you are, what your gender is, how long you've been saved. It doesn't matter. I mean, you look at some of these examples. You had the disciples who've been saved for a while. You had the Ephesian believers who've been saved for a while. But it, it took a long time before, you know, they had finally, before uh, Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit on them. They waited there for 10 days. Some of you, maybe you've been praying for a long time to receive the Holy Spirit, and it just hasn't happened, and you're like, is there something wrong with me? No, just keep pressing in. Keep going after God, because I believe that it's for everyone. I love the story at uh, Cornelius' house, right? These are all brand new believers, and boom, right away, uh, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit even before Peter got done preaching, and it fell on everyone who heard, right? So not just Cornelius, this Roman centurion, but it fell on the, the lowest servant in the house too, right? It fell on everybody, guys, girls, young, old servants, leaders. Holy Spirit fell on everyone. The only prerequisite to receiving the Holy Spirit, again, is, is salvation. That's the only requirement. You don't need to be super spiritual to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If anything, the baptism in the Holy Spirit helps you be more spiritual. So that's, that's kind of the next step. So if you're sitting here like, man, I, I don't, I'm not good enough. You're right, you're not. But that's why it's this free gift that God gives us. You don't have to have it all figured out. There's, there's some people in here, maybe today, you've never been saved. You're going to get saved today, and then you're going to get filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, double whammy. It's going to be awesome, right? It's going to be exciting. That's what God can do. Peter, in fact, in Acts chapter 2, in, in his sermon, he says, the promise, the promised Holy Spirit is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. It's for everyone. The gift is for everyone. Spirit baptism is for everyone. Second question I think we can answer from, from these five different times the Spirit fell down was, uh, how do I receive Spirit baptism? Simple. Seek Jesus. Seek Jesus. See, the common thread in all these stories is it was people who are hungry for more of Jesus. And that's all it was. They were hungry for more of Jesus. The disciples were praying in the upper room. The Samaritans were in the midst of this revival. Saul was blinded on the road, and he realized that what he had been living for all of his life was wrong. He was in this desperate place, and now he was hungry for more of Jesus. Cornelius sought Peter out so he could hear the word of God. The Ephesians were asking Paul about the Holy Spirit. All these people, they wanted to know more. They wanted more of Jesus. And that's all it took, was seeking more of Jesus. In fact, in four out of five times, it says that they were in the midst of prayer. They were in the midst of prayer. So, man, if you want, 
if you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I think praying is a good method, right? One of them, they didn't have a chance to get to prayer because Peter was still speaking. Uh, he was still preaching. Like they were just so excited and wanted Jesus so bad, it happened in that moment. So if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, prayer is the best place to start. And the last question I think that we can answer is, how do I know if I receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit or spirit baptism? And, and we see that praying in a new language is a common thread between all of these events. It's a consistent answer. In fact, in every uh, reception account in Acts where any details are mentioned, the recipients spoke in tongues. In, in three of the cases, in Acts chapter 2, in chapter 10 with Cornelius, in chapter 19 with the Ephesians, it specifically lists uh, that they began speaking in tongues. In fact, that's how the Jewish believers recognized that they, the Gentile believers had received the gift because they saw them speaking in tongues and they said, that's the same thing that happened to us. And they realized it in that moment. And uh, in Saul's case, it doesn't list any details, but later he does say that he was given that ability to speak in tongues as well. And, and so in almost every case that we see details listed, in every case we see details listed, we see that praying in a new language. Now, I told you at camp, you know, when I was standing about right here, and I was just hungry for more of Jesus, that's what I was seeking after. And I, I remember, again, I don't remember the speaker, but I remember him kind of coaching us through that moment. And he told us, hey, if you came up here, I want you to seek the giver, not the gift. Oftentimes, that's a mistake we can make. We, we, we go up here and you're like, God, I want to speak a new language. No, no, that's not what we're going after. Seek Jesus. And he'll give it to you. You don't have to, you don't have to make it up. You don't have to contrive it. You don't have to do anything like that. That's just what happens when, when you go after God. And, and so, uh, you know, he told us to, to seek, seek the giver, not the gift. Because if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, speaking in tongues, that's, that's just one of the gifts. In fact, Paul kind of puts it down like, that one's not as good as the rest of them. Like, if you're going to go after something, go after something way better. He talks about message of wisdom, a message of knowledge, uh, faith, mirac uh, miracles. Man, how many would love to see the Holy Spirit do a miracle through you, right? Come on, sign me up for that one. Uh, how many would love to see the Holy Spirit help you uh, to pray for somebody and they're healed? Like, I that's one of the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, again, tongues, interpretation of tongues, discernment between spirits, all these different things that the Holy Spirit can give us and gift us with, right? It's just that speaking in tongues, that's the first gift that he gives so that we can recognize and we can understand that, hey, something changed in me, something happened. So I'm up there and I'm seeking the Holy Spirit. I'm seeking after Jesus and, and I'm just praying. And, and I, I know for me, uh, and Maybe it was different for you, for those who've been filled with the Spirit, but I just felt the Holy Spirit come on me. Like there was just something different. It was like this wave of emotions came through me, and man, I'm crying up there, and I'm going after God, and I'm just trusting Him. All of a sudden, people came around me, they're laying their hands on me, and they're praying for me, just like we saw many times, uh, like with Ananias, and with Peter and John, and, and with Paul. They were all laying hands on people, and they received the Holy Spirit, and, and all of a sudden, the Spirit just, I just followed His promptings. And just like in Acts chapter 2 where it says they began to speak in a new language as the Spirit gave them utterance, that's what happened in my life. And I just began to speak this, this new language and it wasn't something I made up. It was something that God gave me and, and He still uses in me today. And so it was just an incredible experience for me. And the Holy Spirit, He didn't come in. He didn't sit there and like wag my tongue around, right? He didn't do that. It was just God 
gave me this, these promptings, and I followed the Holy Spirit's leading. And from that day, man, I've been empowered to speak God's word boldly, uh, not just from a platform, but, but with people. Because that's what the gift is all about, is being able to share the good news with people, whether that's through signs and wonders, whether that's through miracles, whether that's speaking in a different language, uh, whether that's just faith beyond what you can imagine, uh, whatever it is, that's the reason behind the gift. It's, it's to tell people about Jesus. That's why we need it. It's those tools to help us to grow his kingdom. So many of you have stories, and actually I want to invite uh, Steve. Steve Ty, would you come on up? Uh, it was just a couple months ago that God filled you with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to take a moment and just share with the people what, what God did in your life, because it was quite a miraculous story, something you've been praying about for a long time. And uh, would you just share a little bit about what God did and how God filled you with the Spirit? All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Ben. And uh, it's an honor to be up here. And I'm going to relate a lot of things that Ben was just talking about. So I've been with this church for now over five years, and I learned about the Holy Spirit in the walls of this church. And I didn't understand when I got here how important and how much I wanted the Holy Spirit. And then on Wednesday Bible class, uh, Gary and Brad did a whole segment on the Holy Spirit. And at the end of it, you learn about what the gifts are. And I wanted that. I wanted the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And no matter how much I prayed for it, and no matter how much the pastors prayed with me, and no matter how many altar calls I came up to, nothing. The same Steve. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I've been able to help people with healing. I've been able to help people with prophecy. I've been able to help people with signs and miracles. But nothing. And I was starting to get a little frustrated. Uh, he helped me find my wife, Lisa. God bless you. She puts up with it. And, you know, uh, besides Jesus, uh, your spouse, your wife, your husband is your helpmate. Well, Lisa, as my helpmate, continued to steer me on the path towards Jesus and how to strengthen my relationship. And that, like Ben was saying, was very important to my story. So we live our life for Jesus and we help our friends when they need us and we help our family when they need us. Um, and we give thanks to the Lord and joy to the Lord for all that we have. Uh, one of my friends that I helped uh, recently uh, was able to give back to us, and he gifted us a trip to Hawaii. Now, Lisa and I would never spend money to go to Hawaii. We, First off, I don't think we could rub enough pennies together to ever get there ourselves. Um, but secondly, there was a lot of other things we would do with the money besides go to Hawaii. Uh, but it was a gift, and it was non-refundable. We had to go to Hawaii. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but God will... God will fence you in a little bit sometimes, all right? Now, I, the Holy Spirit is real, and the Holy Spirit, you've all heard God. You've all had God in your life. And I knew that the Holy Spirit was going to come on me in a real way. It wasn't, I wasn't going to force it. It wasn't going to be fake. He had guided me in obedience. He had given me vision. He had prophesied for me, and those things came true. And I, I knew 
that what he would do would be amazing. And I was just waiting. So we go to Hawaii. And the devil's against us. COVID's out there. You can't get on flights. There's no vaccination cards. Tests come up positive. You're not going to Hawaii. We got to Hawaii. So we get to Hawaii, and we're on this first island, Maui. Beautiful island. I highly recommend it to everybody. But Lisa was told that amazing and miraculous things were going to happen to us in Hawaii. And so she's waiting on every moment for amazing and miraculous. There's some beautiful things in the ocean in Hawaii. I don't know if they're amazing and miraculous. But we were, in, we were snorkeling every day. We were hiking every day. And more importantly, we found a beautiful church to go to in Maui. Up on this deck overlooking the ocean. It was called the Journey Church. Holy Spirit-filled, beautiful church. Mostly vacationers like ourselves. We got to talk to a lot of people and hear a lot of things. Lisa for sure thought that the Holy Spirit was going to come on us up there. It was beautiful. Sun out, blue sea, whales migrating through the, the ocean there. Nothing. The message was on giving, tithing. It was actually a pretty good message. Nothing. One of the things that happened on the first night we were in Maui, after we got off the plane, we got into our B&B, and I had a vision. And in that vision, me and another man were holding up Moses' arms as he held the staff above his head, and the Jews were in battle all day long with the Amalekites. And when Moses' arms fell down, the battle turned against the Jews. And when Moses could hold that staff back up, the battle turned in favor of the Jewish and, uh, people as they could fight. <clears throat> now, me and this other man, their names are Aaron and Her. I don't know which one I was. I was under the left arm. Moses is a very big man. Because me and the other guy had to put stones underneath where we were standing to get taller so we could hold the arms up properly. And his arms are very heavy. But we did. And we, we battled. Now, that was the vision. When I woke up, I was exhausted. My body hurt. I, I don't know how long my arms had been up. I don't know how much of Moses' weight I had to carry that day. But I did it, and it cost. It just hurt. My arms hurt. They cramped up. My chest hurt like I'd been lifting too much all day long. We had a beautiful time in Maui, and a week later, we went to a little island called Kauai. It's like Hawaii, but with a K. It's a very rustic island. There's very few churches because there's very few population centers. One of our biggest concerns was actually finding a church to go to. We, it took us a while. So we got there on Tuesday. And Friday, Lisa found a church. 
called the Lighthouse. So first we're in the journey. Now we're at the Lighthouse Christian Fellowship. We go in and we meet the people, lovely people, very friendly, much like our church. You get welcomed. They come out. It's basically in a big barn with a couple of offices off to the side. In Hawaii, you never have winter. So it's all wide open. We meet a, a few people. It's going to be a small service. There's only set tables set up for maybe 50 people. Then an old man with a walker and an eye patch comes out, and he's being helped by his wife. And I get introduced to him. His name's Pastor John. He had just suffered a major health crisis, hydrocephalitis. He had, he had, it had taken him out of his ministry. It had happened the year before. He was in some pain. And he was their pastor, but he could no longer minister to him. But they loved him. And he was a holy man of God. And he was the man on the other side of Moses from my vision in Maui. I looked at him, and I'm going to cry again. And I cried. I said, Lisa, that's him. I said, that's the man from the vision. And he helped me with Moses. Besides that, I was speechless. We got introduced. We sat at our table. And we listened to the most amazing sermon on healing the broken heart. And it was one of those ones that when you connect with it so strongly, you leave changed that day. And I can tell you, there's nothing better than having your heart healed. Nothing. Whatever bondage, whatever pain, whatever chain is bound on you that gets released. And when you get up, you're a thousand pounds lighter and the color has been restored to the world. I went over to Pastor John after the sermon. Oh, at the end of the sermon, the pastor asked if anybody would love to receive the Holy Spirit. Are you kidding me? I have flown 4,000 miles. I have left so many time zones, I still don't even know what daytime is inside my body. I get to this beautiful little church on this random little island in the middle of the Pacific, and at the close they go, anybody need the Holy Spirit? Anybody praying for baptism is the Holy Spirit? And Lisa basically picked me up put me in front of, I believe her name was Kaleka, says, this is my husband, Steve, and would you help us pray for a baptism in the Holy Spirit? And Pastor John was there, and I said, Pastor John, I don't know if you know me, but I've seen you in a vision. That didn't even phase him. Off we go, off to the side chamber. I stood there with Pastor John, and he led me in prayer and in instruction for receiving the Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
And have you ever had the Spirit pass through you and leave goosebumps all over your whole body? Now imagine feeling that inside your whole body, not just on your skin, not just on the top of your head, not just on the back of your back, neck. Just fill your whole body everywhere. Everywhere there was a nerve, everywhere there was a part of you, there was a part of God, and he was touching you. I fell down to my knees. I started speaking in tongues. I was crying. Turns out I'm a crier. Don't tell my friends. I got up. I was a changed man. The Lord had given me his gift. And I just thank him every day that I received the gift of baptism in the Holy Spirit. For sharing. Oh, man, appreciate you. Love you, brother. <laughs> but it's amazing what God did in you. You came in a place, you were desperate for God. Yep. You've been seeking that gift for a long time. Some people here can relate to that of, man, it's been a while uh, since they've, you know, they've, they've experienced or they've been praying, they've been asking for this. And you got a place that, you know, for you it was Hawaii, but some people, they just need to come down to this altar, a place where they can get rid of distractions, it, right? Absolutely. In Hawaii, all we did was focus, it, our worries left us, and all we had to do was lean into God. Yeah. And we didn't have to worry about, we didn't have to worry about anything. We didn't, if we were going to eat, we were going to eat. It wasn't like, I don't know what I'm going to do to yeah, eat. Yeah, you weren't worried about all those issues, just kind of like when we go off to camp, and that's why God moves in such a powerful way, because it's, we're putting all those issues aside and, and saying, God, all we want is you. And, Absolutely. And it's amazing. You know, God, God worked in the supernatural even before, you know, you had that vision, which was so cool. Now you see Pastor John there and, and it's not going to work the same way for everybody. Um, but you know, God, God moved. He responded to your hunger. And so thank you for being obedient. Thank you for being faithful. And I'm so glad God's used you to do some incredible things. He's going to continue using that. So thank you for sharing. Would you give it up for Steve? Thank you for sharing. That's not easy to do. Again, receiving the Holy Spirit, it's very simple. Let me give you some simple steps. Draw near to Jesus in prayer. That's the first and most important thing. Seek Jesus. Seek the giver, not the gift. And when you do that, Jesus is going to begin to pour out his spirit upon you. And when you do that, you're just going to begin to speak out loud from that inner urging that the spirit gives you. Rather than your known language, rather than your reason, God's going to give that to you. Right, and just trust in him today. But like I mentioned before, the only prerequisite for baptism in the Holy Spirit is, is salvation. So today I want to give you that opportunity uh, to accept Jesus as your Savior. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give an opportunity today. Today maybe you came into this place and, and you know that and you've hit rock bottom or things aren't going right and you just need a Savior. You need... You need Jesus to forgive you. See, Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He wasn't worthy of death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Right? He wasn't worthy of that. That wasn't a debt that he owed, but yet he went and he died on the cross, and he took our punishment. He took our sin so that we could have new life, so that we wouldn't have to face it, so we could have eternal life in Jesus. 
And the Bible says that, that if we confess him as our Savior, if we confess him as our Lord, if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. And so today I want to give you that opportunity. If you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life today, would you just simply just raise your hand? And I want to pray with you today. Is there anybody here that you'd say, man, I, I want to know Jesus? Anybody here? Anybody in the balcony? Thank you. Thank you in the balcony. Anybody else? Thank you. I believe Jesus wants to change some hearts. Anyone else? Even online, you can put your hand up online. We're going to pray for you. There's no special words to pray, but it's simply praying from your heart. And so if you raise your hand today, I want to I wanna pray with you. Would you just repeat this after me? And everybody, let's, let's just join in. Dear Jesus, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for dying for me. I want to make you the Lord of my life. I've got sin in my life. But Lord, would you forgive me? Would you clean me up? Would you cleanse me? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it from your heart, and the Bible says, hey, you are saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so today, if you prayed that prayer, uh, it says that the angels are rejoicing in heaven and that God is doing a great thing in you and your life is never going to be the same. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand with me right now? Would you stand with me? Because right now I want to... We're just going to go to a time of, of seeking Jesus in this place today. Of seeking Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to do simply what Scripture says and to respond to Him and to receive that gift of the Holy Spirit. So we're not going to have like a breaking point here, but if you're, if you're sitting there and you're hungry and you want to say, yeah, I'd like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, would you just come even right now as we're speaking? Would you come and find a place around this altar? We're going to pray for you and we're going to believe that God is going to do incredible things. So even if you're in the balcony, you can come on down and, and find a place at this altar. Like I said, don't wait. Come on down now, and uh, we're going to be praying for you because I believe, again, maybe you just got saved. God can do it again. God can do it uh, in your life. He can give you the baptism in the Holy Spirit, even though you were just saved for a short amount of time. So we're just going to begin seeking Jesus in here. We're going to begin seeking after him. So again, if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, why don't you just come on to the front? This is a good place. This is a special place. Like I said, it happened to me just like right over there in that spot. So that's a good spot if anybody wants it. Uh, but, but just come on down and we're just going to begin praying. So church, would you join me? Let's just begin praying for a move of the Holy Spirit in this place. Jesus, Jesus, we pray that you would move. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come in this place, that you would fill this place today. God, we pray that you would change us. God, that you would make us new. Holy Spirit, would you fill us like we've never experienced before? Would you fill us to new levels in this place today? Oh, Lord, we just pray. God, that the same way that you filled people in the upper room, God, the same way that you filled people, God, in, in Samaria and at Cornelius' house and in Ephesus and Saul on the road, God, we pray that you would do that in our lives today. Man, worship team, would you please lead us? If you're seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, please come up front. Prayer team's going to be here. We want to pray with you today.
encourage you. There's still time left. If you need to come down, I encourage you, come and, and, and chase after God. If there's there, those here today, you said, man, I've been filled with the Spirit and, and God's using me, and I encourage you, come to this place and start praying for somebody because God can use you. Uh, God can use you in, in miraculous ways when we respond to Him. So I encourage you, if you've been filled with the Spirit, you see somebody up here who needs prayer, come on up and pray for them. Pray for them. Pray over them. And let's see God do the miraculous together. If you need to be dismissed, you definitely dismiss and you can go as you need to. But let's keep seeking the presence of God. Let's keep seeking Jesus in this place today. There's nothing with more.